Hi, I'm Nicola Elliott. I'm founder of Neom, and this is the No BS Guide to Wellbeing. Even though I own one of the biggest wellbeing companies in the country, I still find the whole concept, you know, pretty hard to grab hold of. It's it's a big concept, and where do you start? You know, it was difficult for, for me when I started the journey. I suffered with awful anxiety. And where to get that help, where to get that advice and the stuff that's really real, the stuff that we can do, that we can fit into our busy lives, not the kind of really airy-fairy stuff that, you know, you can't do when you've got kids and work and all of that other stuff to juggle. So this episode features Lily Simpson, founder of The Detox Kitchen. This is just amazing healthy food that you can get delivered to you. She's got a couple of delis, she's got a book, she's got a whacking great Instagram account. But the reason why I'm talking to Lily today is about starting a well-being business. So many people come up to me and ask me about starting Neon and I thought I'd chat with Lily about how we both started and you know Lily started from her kitchen table same as me. It's a really inspiring chat where hopefully you'll get loads of hints and tips if you're interested in starting your own business, well-being business or not. Because do you know what? I really think that's an important part of feeling your best. I'm here with Lily Simpson, founder of The Detox Kitchen. Thank you for coming and talking to us today, Lily. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to talk today on our No BS Guide to Wellbeing about starting an amazing wellbeing brand. And you have got an amazing wellbeing brand. You're kind of flying across all platforms. So just give us a little rundown as to how great you're doing right now (laughs) oh goodness it doesn't feel like that on some days um but yeah I guess so I started detox kitchen seven years ago and really I always remember sitting down and trying to work out the numbers and I was like if I could just sell 20 packages a week like that's a great little business yeah and then I was like oh would it be really nice to like turn over a million pounds in 10 years in 10 years time and like having these kind of like really scruffy notes all over the place and the first year we basically delivered what we wanted to within five years it was this kind of I I feel like I'd written everything down as you know I wanted my mission was to basically get more people eating healthy food and how was I going to do that and so you sort of smashed that in year one so at year seven sort of snapshot now of the business How, how big is the business so we've got two delis in central London one in Fitzrovia and one in Soho um they actually came after we started the business as a home delivery service and that started in 2012. So we were delivering breakfast, lunch and dinner to customers throughout central London. And we now deliver to between three to 400 people a day wow. in London. In January, it goes completely through the roof, as you would imagine, but kind of on average about that many. And that's lunches, that's individual meals. That's just our packages. So breakfast, lunch and dinner. So you can order from us. I guess the whole point of what we started was... And the reason I started was I really wanted people to feel this kind of transformation through food. I felt that everyone had become slightly disconnected with what food really meant and what nutrition really meant and how nutrition should make you feel amazing. The food you eat should make you feel good. I guess the diet industry in itself was just in a really bad place. It was, there were kind of big diet-led brands leading the way with very bland food. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just wanted to kind of bring, bring it back to the basics really and have like food cooked from scratch, um, whole ingredients, really delicious, um, food that you enjoyed, but that also made quite a big impact on how you felt. Um, And I think all the best brands start with really kind of that mission and that beating heart and that kind of, 
you know, desire to, to change something in the world. Yeah. And, and then the sort of the business and, and the figures, if you like, sort of fo- follow on from that. So it's kind of almost, that's yeah. your tip number one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think that you can see straight through any business that doesn't have that like really core mission, I suppose. I mean, for us, every, it, within our team, we are constantly coming back to, are we getting more people to eat healthy food? And that might be through our delivery service. It might be through our delis. It might be through our corporate kind of, office catering or it might just be through our cookbooks and people using our recipes or you know even just seeing our Instagram page and thinking actually that looks quite easy I'm going to recreate that in my own home Um, so on every level for us as a brand it's about it's really about changing people and the way that they eat for the better. Mm -hmm. So you start with this mission was it just you initially? Yeah, I started the company on my own. I often say we because just in my head, I feel like I'm a hundred different people. Um, but awesome. yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I started it um, on my own, literally kind of doing absolutely everything. So I made all the food from a kitchen. Um, I had I had already started a company before, um, which was a catering company. So I had the kind of um, okay. kitchen set up ready. And yeah, I made the food. I did all of the deliveries. I contacted from the marketing and PR side of things. I did all of that. I processed all the orders. And I did that for about almost for a year by myself. So would you say you are a cook first or a businesswoman first? Or maybe even given you've got such a huge Instagram following, are you a social media guru? Oh no, I'm definitely not a social media guru. That's one. I think think with the whole kind of, you know, we just timed it very well with... um, certainly with social, because that was when we launched in 2012, that was when the kind of big wellness names were coming up. So the Delicious Yellas and the Helmsy Helmsy were all kind of coming through and establishing these really big followings. And as a brand, we kind of were the kind of first brand to do that. So I think a little bit of that was luck timing wise, but also potentially kind of foreseeing that, you know, the diet industry needed to change. So you were a cook first, and then yeah. and then a, and then a businesswoman second. Yeah. Because I think it's interesting. I think you can actually do it either which way. I mm. don't know about you, but whenever anyone asks me about starting a business, the first thing that they say is, "But I haven't had the idea. I haven't had like that magic thing." Yeah. And I just think that's a bit of a shame that people think you have to have that magic idea. Yeah. I think you can, you know, you can make a business out of anything. I mean, you know, you could make a business out of amazing plates or chairs or, you know, I don't know, some kind of club night that yeah, it, totally. it can be anything and and I remember my dad actually always used to say to me you don't have to reinvent the wheel you can just design a better wheel yeah totally so I think it, it, it it's kind of interesting that you know that you can start either which way so you started seven years ago and um and obviously things have changed hugely in the wellness industry sort yep. of since then um, I mean, w- when we started Neon 14 years ago, that wasn't, well, of course, it was a word in the dictionary, but it just wasn't a thing, you know, yeah. it just wasn't a thing at all. Um, and I used to spend so much of my time educating people. Um, and, and it's been great for us in many ways that, that that industry has moved on. But you've sort of named so many other people who are kind of in your space. And I know they're doing yeah. different things. But how do you feel about the the, the wellness industry m- moving on and growing so much? Is that kind of left less opportunities for other people or or more opportunities for people thinking of getting into it? I think it's a real combination. Like, I always massively believe that there is always room for a great product, like a great product or a great service. So that should never put you off from starting any business. Competition should never put you off. Actually, when we look at competition, we kind of, it's a really, the food industry is a really, and the wellness industry is a great kind of network and everyone does support 
each other. You know, we are very happy. Like next week, I've got a meeting with a competitor. I often meet competitors, you know, often female founded sort of competitors. And we sit down and talk about our kind of challenges within business. And I think that's really important. And so that should definitely not put you off from starting a business. Yeah. I think there are t- the wellness industry in itself is quite interesting in the kind of roller coaster that has happened in the last 10 years. Because um, really, if you do look back sort of just to 10 years ago, there were no brands that were kind of truly healthy. We had kind of got to this very strange place of, you know, whether I guess our food chain was broken. I guess it comes from kind of the manufacturing world where people are trying to produce food that is really accessible. And also it's demand, I guess, from consumers where we really want convenient food so we don't have time to cook. And, you know, if you are passionate about this industry and you want to create product, I think the important thing to remember is it is really hard being in the wellness industry, especially if you think about the competition in terms of the really big players where we're comparing, you know, say we're comparing the way that someone consumes um, food generally, you know, the price point of it is often fairly low. Whereas when you're looking at wellness and certainly within food, you have to create a sort of premium product that people are willing to pay for. So Mm -hmm. it's really about educating that value. And so within the wellness industry, that's the kind of challenge, I guess, that we have. And that's something that continues to improve. So where where it goes from people not really knowing about wellness to now being much better educated, Mm -hmm. that kind of learning process and the engagement that you get from consumers is so much more that it just helps your business. So it's kind of really great in that way. I wonder if you um, think something sort of similar to me because um, what I think is first of all I think it's hugely positive that the wellness industry has grown so much because now we've got this kind of huge tribe of people who mm. are interested and and that's only a good thing right whether they come in because they are interested in nutrition or they're interested in clean beauty or maybe they're just interested in exercising and it kind of leads them on to a sort of you know a, a more healthier sort of 360 take on life it's a good thing yeah. I think one thing I think is quite an interesting evolution is sort of because it's become such a big bucket of people mm. is now they can't all be identified in the same way and that I think produces opportunities for entrepreneurs you know you've got your kind of absolute staunch well-being advocates who you know are I don't know have got got the Peloton bike and you know um, eat you know only a a vegan etc and then you've maybe got the people who are sort of right at the other end who are just trying to you know wean themselves off a bacon butty every day I don't don't know Um, but but, you know you've, you've got this big big group and I think that's really interesting because it allows you to yeah market to several different sections do you? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, for, for us as a business, I think we always look at all the different channels that we can be in. So our home delivery service is expensive. Um, it's definitely a premium product. Um, you get breakfast, lunch and dinner every day. It's delivered directly to your door. Um, How much does that cost? It starts at about £34 per day. Per day. So it, it is expensive. But and it's not bad if you think if you're in central London and yeah. you're buying, I don't know, you know, your lunch from Pret's going to cost you, what, seven quid or something? Yeah, so. no, I think if you compare it like that, definitely. But I think for me, you know, if we think go back to the mission, which is to mm-hmm. get as many people eating healthy food as possible, I think th- that kind of slightly more premium 
doesn't quite fit in with that mission. So for us as a business, it's like, okay, we know that there is a demographic within London that can afford that and we love that we can help those people, but how can we help more people? And this kind of coming back to what you were talking about is, you know, when you walk into our delis, and that was a key reason for us opening the delis was because we wanted to have a much bigger reach. So we have three, 300 people walking through each deli every day. And when you go in, it's a real combination of people. And I get so much joy when I go in there of seeing, you know, a, a queue of, like 15 people and they're all completely different it's not you know you would expect to go in there and see kind of young women who are really into kind of healthy eating and you know in their gym kit and yes you see those people but you also see you know any kind of any age range you see families going in there there's so many men that go in there there are people that are clearly trying to kind of get onto the kind of fitness and and well-being train as it were you know so, so let's just talk about the delis for a moment because i think this is a really interesting business point and and people ask me the same so much about neon stores we've now got five stores and you know you you've said to me that you are primarily a direct to consumer brand yeah. so you know your turnover you said to me before is yeah. about four million this year yeah this year we well should, done yeah. Woo-hoo. Thanks. <laughs> um, but you said the vast majority of that is coming from online which so yeah. many businesses are seeing you know, and and if you're starting a business, it's obviously a really cost-effective way to yeah. scale something, you know, nationally, globally, but also without the huge risk of rent mm-hmm. and rates. In you know, you've, yours are in amazing locations as well, mm-hmm. so you know that obviously costs a lot. So, why on earth would anyone put their neck on the line for huge rent and rates and all the the cost of of, of a deli in, a, in an amazing central London location mm-hmm. when you can make the vast majority of money online I think, you explain that because yeah. they always ask me this oh, yeah. <laughs> I think there are there really are kind of pros and cons to both yeah. um, we when I opened our first site which was in 2014 the deli in in Kingley Street I had I did not think that I would be opening a deli. I never thought that you could make money from it. I had seen people start and fail in in the hospitality business, whether it was restaurants or cafes or even sort of catering. And, you know, the margins are, are super, super slim. There's not much to be made there. But if you can make it work, it really does pay off. And so anyway, I was walking down the street in uh, Soho and I saw this shirt shop that was shutting down. And at that point, all the shops around there were, that there weren't, they weren't food they were kind of retail, kind of strange combination of retail. So anyway, I contacted the landlord, asked what was going on with the shop. They said actually it was coming up and that they were transforming um, Kingley Court into a kind of food quarter. So timing-wise, it was perfect. And the site was 300 square feet. The rent, I think, I can't even remember what it was now, but it was about 30 or 40,000, which I, I literally, the moment That's I had That's so that, cheap for Central London. So I have to say, if anyone's thinking <laughs> of starting a you know, store, you, you, you did well there. Yeah, it's gone up significantly yeah. since then. But our landlord are amazing and they really support kind of growing businesses. So I remember after that conversation with them, sitting down and literally on one piece of scrappy paper, writing down how many sellers I needed to sell in order to make the rent and be able to pay staff. It's got to be a lot of sellers. Yeah, it was quite a lot. And I was like, and I remember speaking to so many people and everyone was like, don't do it, you're crazy. I actually sat down, I I knew the founder of Leon um, because I used to sit in his cafe before when I had my catering company and just work from there. That is a brilliant tip, I have to say. If you know someone or if you can get to know as a kind of mentorship someone yeah. who's you know doesn't even have to be in your industry right but mm. kind of have some similarities that's in, yeah definitely. that's in, invaluable yeah. sorry to interrupt. I think a lot of just going back to the mentorship thing but a lot of people put pressure on themselves to find a mentor yeah and like this this guy he um I literally just used to work out of this cafe and he used to sometimes sit next to me because he owned the cafe 
and I would never describe him as a mentor, but I would definitely send him a text message and be like, what yeah. do you think about this? Yeah. Or, and I think that's the key is like picking up these people along the way that you can just pick up the phone to or totally. send an email to. It's rather be than be a friend, really. Exactly. Otherwise you can't trust Someone, them and yeah. then they're not a mentor. Yeah. So kind of... Yeah. So let's go back to you. So you found the store. Yeah. You got a really cheap deal. You yep. ring up your friend from Leon. Yeah. He says, don't be crazy. Like you are literally oh. crazy doing this. Don't do it. Because I had at the time a catering company that was doing pretty yeah. well. It was, you know, and uh, and basically everyone said, don't do it. But I thought my instinct just said, do it because it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Your lease is three years. Like what's the worst that can happen? And so anyway, we opened the store. The fit out cost. I had literally no money whatsoever. So we had to do the fit out for like, I think, £10,000 in the end. And there was a queue out the door from day one. And it's basically never changed. That's I mean, amazing. it was such it was an amazing experience as someone I think when you start your own company you're always questioning yourself to some extent but then at the same time you also have like this strong confidence in your instinct yeah that's a and funny so when you can, me, isn't it? yeah so yeah. when you can kind of prove when you prove it and, and get that kind of I don't know just day on day of, off my husband calls it yeah exactly I go home one night and I go so it's true. amazing yeah. our life's brilliant it's all fantastic the next day I go home and I go don't yeah. spend another penny. Yeah. It's all going wrong. I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel It's that. up and it's down, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So um, just sort of to, to add to your point, it's interesting you had that kind of, that huge drive to open mm. a store. Um, actually, my partner, Oliver, was was more of a driver than I was to, to open a store. Yeah. I was kind of like the third child because we yeah. we had a wholesale business and we were selling online as well and it was doing really well. And I felt it was like the child that if I didn't agree to have with him, he would leave me. Yeah. But we're not together. He's a business partner. Um, and we did, we went ahead with the store. But for us, it was a couple of things. I think... I think you you should only open retail now, whether you're selling salads or you know um, body products or, or or clothes or whatever it is, if you feel that you can offer something in person mm-hmm. that is maybe different, better, more kind of wow than you can online, and the yeah. two can kind of knit together. Definitely, because I think you know the retail is is dead where it's seen as a stocking point yep. you know to just put things to sell to make cash that's now what online has re- you know is replaced with but I think yeah. if you've got that idea and we have a huge kind of experience when you come into the Neom store from treatments to scent discovery tests to you know, neomologists that give you well-being advice etc so I think if you've got that if you've got that brand and your brand leads its, lends itself well to, to doing that then, mm. then a store can be fantastic and you can sweat that asset then across social you oh, know totally, yeah. can't you so i think that that's that's got to be really really important but um i think it's also worth like with our business so where online is um kind of the key growth area of our business and and probably will be certainly for the next 5 years the delis work so hard for us because yeah. most people that we speak to who have experienced detox kitchen is generally through the delis because yeah. the footfall is so much more um and it is localized, so obviously you're not getting, you know, where our um, home deliveries we can get a much further reach. Like, you know, it's people sort of within central London that know about the delis, but you know, those two that play, they play really well together because yeah. we get this huge reach. A deli customer will then become an online customer, and then they'll tell people about the delis. They'll t- they come become this kind of brand ambassador for us yeah. across both channels. Hugely, um, and then they buy the book, and then you know, and it's kind of living and breathing our ethos I suppose yeah. and that's what we really want from our customers so, so yeah. let's go back to the beginning because I'm sure you know there's so many people that come up to me and I'm sure to you and say you know um, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about starting something you know maybe they're 
maybe they're stuck, you know, in the in a, in a job rut, or they've just had a baby, or you know, they just kind of naturally have this entrepreneurial flair, or, or whatever it may be, and, and they really want to start something. And kind of getting off the blocks seems to mm. be sort of the hardest thing. And then I think sort of the second hardest thing seems to be, you know, there's this moment of glory, and then then they sort of hit some sort of problems, and then they go, oh, that's really not going to work. And I think, yeah. well, they're just sort of standard problems. So I think there's kind of almost two two pain points to, to people being able to you know make this make this happen for themselves yep. so tell me about your journey and your kind of you know you're getting off the blocks yeah I often find this question really hard because I, I think the the absolute key to starting your own business is having two missions one which is personal goal and one which is your business goal and my business goal is to get more people eating healthy food but the reason I actually started a business was because I really wanted to buy my mama house like that has been my oh, absolute nice. but I get I guess that's what's always driven me I mean it is it is the absolute when I'm having the Have worst you bought day, house not quite she's moved okay. in with me so we've got, we've got one step <laughs> she's got <laughs> a myself a bigger house so that I can you know but um yeah she uh so, so when I'm having a bad day at work, the one thing that keeps me going is having that kind of goal. And I think you need that in business. And that's what made me start it. And when I had bad days and I thought I couldn't do it anymore, I was like, you can do this. Like, you have the strength to do this. Just keep going. It will get better. And it's that personal goal that drives you. And I think when we talk about, you know, when people are like, how do I just get started? It's There is no answer to that. You have to believe in what you're doing. You have to work really, really hard. And I guess also you just have to have resilience. So if you start something and you don't have customers through the door or going online straight away, you have to change and you have to like think of new ideas and innovate. And you just have to keep going and you have to have things that drive you to keep going. I don't know about you, but I, I you know, we still, the problems that we have at Neon keep coming. Yeah, like I said before, you have the good day, you have the bad day. I mean, yeah. it really is a sort of 50-50 thing, mm-hmm. right? If you're lucky, sometimes it's yeah. more. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's how you see problems. Mm. So I yeah. definitely recognise things as a problem mm. and I definitely recognise a bad day as a bad day. But it would, it's just something for me to solve. It's just exactly. something to get over. Yeah. And sometimes we don't get over it and we don't solve that problem in the most amazing way. You know, yeah. it might just be we, we just and so sort of got through it. But get through it, we do. And, and I think, yeah. as, as I was sort of saying about, you know, um, so that, that stumbling block number two, if you like, people who say to me, well, I had this great idea of doing, I don't know, a, a pen brand or something. Mm. But then, you know, I rang a few stockists and, 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 no, and no one was interested. And mm-hmm. I think, well... You know, I spent a year just on the phone again and again and again. And mm. when I rang people and they didn't like how I was explaining Neom, I thought, well, you know, I better explain it in a different way and try yeah. another 10 people and then another 10 people. And then finally you sort of get to that sentence that, that people do engage with and does, you know, does grab them. So I think that's that's resilience, but it's just kind of a dogged yeah. determination as well. Yeah, do totally. Think? Oh, completely. I mean... I think one thing that we're always talking about is changing the way that we communicate with people. And it seems, you know, it's not one of those things that's this like day of that was a bad day because I can't communicate exactly what our mission is. Yeah. It's like this ongoing thing that you have to continually change and you change with the times and and also you change with the people that you're communicating with. Like that's just a really small example. But 
I always remember actually a, a junior member of our team who actually went on to start an amazing company, wellness wellness brand. She's doing incredibly well. We had this um, event with Nike and everything went wrong. I mean, it was like our first massive event with Nike. We were catering for I don't know, a thousand people or something. And every, I mean, everything that could possibly go wrong. The food didn't turn up on time. When it did turn up, it wasn't packaged right. Like it was a disaster. And um, I didn't really recognize how I was reacting to it. And I went for a coffee with her kind of after she had left and she had started her own company. And she said, I always remember you in that situation thinking that it seemed like you went completely silent and you didn't really care what was going on. And she was like, now I've started my business. I totally and utterly get it. She was like, you when you're in that mindset of things going wrong. You have to just be calm and quiet and deal with it in your way to make sure that you then kind of make everything better and you solve the problems like clearly and calm and she was like that's how I now approach everything like and I think it is that you know I think when people are starting a business you have to that has to be in your nature the way that you deal with stress like in that situation if I had completely been like okay you do this you do that go and do you know and being completely crazy we wouldn't have solved the problems Mm -hmm. quickly and we wouldn't have been able to then deliver what we wanted to and I think you have to really dig deep down in you and think am I that person like do I deal with stress well? Am I resilient? Am I really actually very hardworking? Because if you're not, then maybe being an entrepreneur is not the right thing for you. And there are so many other things you can do, but it's, you know, it's really kind of nailing what your skills are because it's being nonstop being and it's to hard. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. So let's just talk practically now through kind of almost like a little toolkit or a timeline of yep. someone who's who's wanting to start something. So sort of ascertained that, you know, they're, they're going to be this they're going to have this gutsy approach to things and they yep. want to go forward with it. And maybe they've kind of thought of an idea, um, you know, to my earlier comment, uh, they have to reinvent the wheel. They're mm-hmm. going to think of some great, you know, pen company or, or, or something, but they're going to be beautiful pens. How then do you go about that? You need some cash, right? Do you need any skills? I'm I asking guess, you like I didn't yeah. do it, but what, <laughs> how, did you, how did you do that? So the two, I guess the two kind of ways that I would, so from a finance perspective, I just got a loan from HSBC for 10 grand. And that was that, easy that to was do? a massive thing for me. Like yeah. I had, you know, I'd always been through in, in my overdraft, lived in my overdraft, went to university, worked, had to pay my fees. Like money was not like there. I, I, you know, I always had to kind of work my way through it. And so to get a loan of 10 grand was a massive, massive. And what were you going to spend that money on? That was, um, so we quite quite quickly so I, I when I started the company I didn't didn't need a loan because I ha- already had catering clients and that's actually a one quite good tip is to have this kind of source of income so that yeah. you can go out on your own so that I didn't have to worry about paying myself yeah. so I had um, you know a few catering clients and then I started detox while I was doing that on the side and then kind I of think I think that's a really interesting point actually because I was a journalist and mm. I I went down from five days to four days yeah. and did neon for one day and I, I think you should sort of just phase yourself into it if you Definitely. don't yeah I think you need that element of risk. And for me, that was, you know, that was still risky. You know, catering, any of my catering clients could have just like stopped and then I wouldn't have had an income. I wouldn't have been able to pay my rent. So that element of risk is really important to kind of keep you going. So with the loan, I think the loan came in kind of six months after we were approached by Harvey Nichols, amazingly, and asked to do a salad bar there. And I needed to fit it out. So I needed money to do that. So that's what, um, yeah, so I went to HSBC and got this loan and did the fit out and you know had to work because I now had this debt which you know but again that kind of thing drives you and I I paid that off within a year 
And that's amazing. You're very lucky, though, that you had that opportunity. And I can imagine HSBC yeah. were quite up for giving you the 10 grand if you've yeah, got exactly. Harvey Nichols saying, this is what you want to spend it on. Yeah. We, would, we were actually, we've never really had a good a big break. Mm. <laughs> Neom, it's been like brick by brick building the wall. Yeah. We Oliver and I sold our cars and we raised together 15,000, so seven amazing. and a half each. And we spent that primarily all on stock Mm -hmm. and then just a little bit on a website. I mean, we're older than you. We've been going for for nearly 14 years now. So um, but we spent it. We spent it all on that. But we never got that breakthrough moment. And Mm. I I think you you know, that's amazing if you can get it. But I think there's still a light at the end of the tunnel by building a business slowly but surely. Yeah, Um, I think like with the Harvey Nichols, basically what happened there is I decided I wanted to sell muesli as part of Detox Kitchen. So I emailed all of the big department stores. I emailed Planet Organic and you know, some other retailers. I think I even emailed Waitrose, which is quite embarrassing actually now. They definitely didn't respond. (laughs) Um, And Harvey Nichols got um, back to me and said, yeah, I would love to try your muesli. So I went there with a bag of muesli. I was like, please, can you stock this? And they were like, actually, we're, you know, we can see that the health and wellness industry is growing and we really want a brand to come in and be the salad bar kind of offering. So it was that combination of like grafting a bit to get in front of as many people as you could and then having that luck where you're there at the right time and I think that's really important when you're starting a business the way that I have always done things I used to work for a company doing business development and it was literally make a list of 20 people that you want to contact and contact them and you know one of them might kind of become your client for sure and that's the way that I've always done business development so with my catering company I wrote a list of my favorite 20 brands I contacted all of the PRs um, that would organize the events and then got in that way and I did lots of free events first and then those customers I then used to promote Detox Kitchen when I launched it and so it's that kind of journey of how you actually get a customer. I mean, Bobby Brown is a good example. There's such tenacity, right? That's the, that's kind of the common theme. I think no matter yeah. what your personality type is, that's that's the theme. Is that kind of, you know, turn over a hundred stones and under one yeah, there might exactly. be something. Yeah. Um, and you know, you'll have days and, and weeks where nothing will come, and, and and then there'll just be that kind of one gem, you know. And it might not be Harvey Nichols Cafe. It might yeah. be, you know, one little person on your high street going on I'll stock you yeah um and, it, and it's just kind of keeping going for that kind of one yes yeah totally and also it's having a combination of those people right so it's really important to have you know your one champion within your brand to uh, and then also having a big Harvey Nichols kind of brand that will get behind you you know those are almost as equally as important Absolutely. Um, when we started detox I mean because that was a direct consumer model we had to get champions quickly because we needed to grow through word of mouth. We didn't have any budget for marketing. And so I wrote down, I went on Twitter. I looked at the people with the most Twitter followings because Instagram wasn't around then. And um, people that I thought had influence in some way, direct messaged them. And with the week that we launched, I had maybe 10 people who were doing the package and they all did it for free. And I was like, you don't have to talk about this, but if you love it, please talk about it. And that's how we've always kind of approached things is, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, us and, too. yeah, and they did talk about it and, and loved it. And that's how we kind of grew through word of mouth. And I think that's a good way if you've got a concept, you know, there's no you don't need a budget for that. You know, say it is a pen brand and you've made kind of 20 pens. Let's like, do a pen brand. Yeah, together. let's do a pen brand. That'd be cool. <laughs> Quite liking be like, this idea. Yeah. A sustainable material. Yeah. Uh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Let's think about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so... 
You mentioned Bobby Brown. Do you? Yes. <laughs> you tell us about the Bobby Brown story. I heard, yeah. I heard an amazing podcast actually about the Bobby Brown story on that guy Raz. How I built it. Uh, Do you yeah. listen to that podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't listened I to love the Bobby Brown that. one yet. Actually. I love, I love okay. that. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Amazing. Brilliant. That's such a good podcast. It's yeah, the, that's the best business. Podcast, I think it's the best business one. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, no, so Bobby Brown. The example I was going to use is that we, when I started my catering business, I had this list of people and on the list was Bobby Brown so I sent an email to the PR literally I don't what? Even... just let me just stop why did you want to I think I just loved what the brand was about okay. like I think in my head be yourself I was like, only prettier is that right yeah that is? yeah something, something like, like that. that and I loved that she was behind it I think you know I was kind of I think they were just in my head this yeah. kind of one brand that I kind of aspired yeah. to in some way and so I emailed the the PR that worked for them and offered to do some office catering for their team um so I did that for free and then they loved it so they were like okay we'll use you for a couple of PR events and then Bobby was going to London so they were like oh she's coming into town we would love you to cater for her so I catered for her and she loved it and then when I started detox I got back in touch with them and said I've just actually started this this company I'd love Bobby to try it so the next time she was in London, I sent her the detox kitchen package and she absolutely loved it. And she talked about it on social media. And then when she was in London, again, I had just published the first cookbook and she messaged me saying, oh, I'd love to meet you. She came to the cafe. But it's things like that where it's like, you know, one little email to a PR at a company can yeah, lead really to suddenly having this person who is a real advocate for your brand. And I think there's two takeaways for me from that. One is kind of going to Bobby Brown, who, you know, of course, has built this you know huge mm. beauty empire but kind of a bit left field the person for you to contact in many yeah. ways right so when everyone else is contacting i don't know the big healthy eating half a million instagram yeah, yeah. you know like kind of i always have this thing zig one other zag so just go a little bit different so yeah. i bet bobby brown has never been contacted by somebody who wants yeah. to cook for her because that's you know maybe people who've started a new lipstick brand or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or, or mentoring in the beauty industry or something so that's quite interesting is finding someone who has you know got that cachet and has probably got a decent followership yeah. but you know is doing something a, a little bit different for them i really like that that's that's really yeah. that's a good tip for me i like that <laughs> and then and then i think the other thing is um is this concept of you know maybe spending some of your initial capital whether mm-hmm. you get it from a bank loan or whatever you know giving trial products services yeah. to the right people because again if you go back to that kind of turnover enough stones and there's something underneath it mm-hmm. you know they're connected people we did something very early on for Acadia group and I think that just really got us in with some real kind of you know early adapters yeah so uh, there's always this there's always this kind of argument isn't there about whether you should do anything for free you know you shouldn't mm. do anything for free you shouldn't do work experience for free but you've got to get yourself in in some way and I think that's probably one of the best ways of, yeah. of using your I think your... with the free thing what's really important and one thing that we never do is we never give things away for free and in exchange for someone creating content or talking about it on social we give it away for free because a we think that that person will really love it and we'll talk about it like that really is that the key to things so mm-hmm. like not to name drop but for me i'm, no, I'm honestly the worst connected <laughs> person in the world like i know no one oh, no, I, no 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 i am because i won't network i'm yeah, so I, unfriendly exactly. yeah same i mean you know and I actually was just in talking to our staff about how how bad I am at it and that I need to get better. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, but so I I knew that I somehow needed more people to talk about Detox Kitchen, and I I didn't have this network of people that and friends that 
like I had my friends obviously but not people that would kind of really talk and so I thought right Al McPherson she would be great like the body and this was seven years ago so I think you know um, kind of body image has come on a lot since then but she was like the absolute pinup, and I was like wow if I could get Al McPherson to try this food that would be awesome you've, just, you've got some proper 80s <laughs> 90s icons I know how I just, old are you I'm 34 I don't know what, yeah, I have this Haven't kind of, you? Bobby Brown, Al McPherson, yeah. Cindy Crawford next. I know, actually, that's a good one. I ah, should get in touch with her. Yeah. Like, um, and Gwyneth Paltrow, actually, was another one. And, and very similar stories where, you know, if you'd said to me said to me that Gwyneth Paltrow would try our food, I would have been like, that's completely crazy. But actually, I'm going to try it and see if it works. So again, my approach was so simple, like try and find out who their agent is, who their anyone that knows them through any network and got both of their details again sent them free food I actually made the food for, for both Al McPherson and Gwyneth first name terms now and did you put a little note in yeah I put a little note in I, I, I hand delivered it you know I made you? all of it absolutely perfectly I did I think for Gwyneth so I, I did it for a whole week so I delivered it to her house like made sure everything was absolutely perfect just in the hope that A she would like it and B she would talk about it on Goop and sure enough, she liked it and she talked about it on Goop. I love and, that. And she gave us... She I'm going to go a, around with a candle. I know, exactly. That's it. That's <laughs> all you've got to do. Like, just, you know, find the celebs and just hunt them down and give them your product. But, Stalking. Um, yeah. It's an amazing business tip. Yeah. But I, th- I think the thing is, like, ultimately it always comes back to, is our product great? If it's great, people will talk about it. And so it's not really a case of just going and finding these celebrities and getting them to talk about your product. And actually, we do the same now with, you know, we will gift someone who is not a celebrity, who doesn't really talk on social media, because we think that they'll love our product and that they will tell their friends about us or, you know, in in any situation or, so, you know. And I think this is really interesting because with the kind of, you know, the, the Instagram community having to put, you know, the hashtag ads and the paid yeah, partnerships yeah. everywhere... I don't know about you, but I think there's this real kind of question mark now mm. over just that being at the beginning of post. I mean, yeah. there, there just is, right? That's just a fact. And so, you know, would you certainly as a startup brand consider spending thousands of pounds to have someone advertise when actually, you know, mm-hmm. they have to put, yeah. understandably, hashtag ad or paid partnership at the beginning? It's 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 a funny thing. Yeah. So rather for that £5,000, you know, pay a pay a junior person maybe mm-hmm. even to do kind of what you did do you know what I mean that's yeah. that's two three months salary for for someone so I always look at it like that in fact that for me that's actually in general I always look how what's the different options of how this pound can be spent yeah definitely um so yeah I think that Instagram thing and the authenticity of sending people things that they just might like is always best we, we we definitely do that yeah and I think it's also something that is always ongoing certainly within our, within our brand and only last actually on Tuesday we sent we've got these amazing new muffins that we um oh, where are they oh sorry oh, oh no she's brought no, nothing <laughs> into the sorry. podcast oh, nothing um, you can't send them for my package though, because I'm in Yorkshire oh no oh. okay I'll get some to you somehow amazing but yeah, so we created so we created this new muffin. We all love it in the office. We were like, let's get people talking about it. So we wrote down 20 journalists. We hand-delivered a basket of muffins to their door and we wrote on a little card, your day just went from nothing to muffin. Oh! Um, and it, just it. in the hope that they would it would make them smile, basically. And yeah. then hopefully they'll talk about it on stories. And, you know, we don't want anything more than that. Like, 
that is and they did and that's what kind of happens and I think you can as a startup like say you are starting a muffin business do that like it doesn't cost you anything I you know we made the muffins in our kitchen we hand delivered them it's completely free if if you love the product and you think people are going to talk about it people will talk about it so I think it's you know not overthinking these things yeah. it's such a simple thing but it I can... agree it is not overthinking things yeah. it is definitely it's quite basic right isn't yeah, exactly. it exactly basic but with this backbone of kind of tenacity at all times let's go back to mm-hmm. just kind of getting a practical timeline for someone wanting to start something so yep. you've got your idea yep. you've got your cash your Spending it on what you decide to project, mm-hmm. probably if it's a product business, you know, more than anything else, a website, whatever. Yeah. What what stage did you bring in a first employee and what was that? Who was that first employee? So my first employee, I think was actually about after about nine months, was a chef. Oh, actually, no, it was a driver, which was a okay. disaster. So oh. I used to do all of my deliveries, but I was doing them from three to seven in the morning. And I was absolutely knackered, to say the least. So I was like, right, I need a driver. And so I found this guy, and he was great. He was a great guy. But he wasn't so great at delivering boxes or turning up, actually. So often I would get a call at, like, two in the morning saying, I'm really sorry, I can't do the delivery tomorrow so I would then have to go to the kitchen like or sometimes I'd walk into the kitchen open the fridge door and all of our deliveries would still be there and I couldn't then get hold of the driver so it was a complete disaster and it's things like that where you just have to you know you look back and it's funny but in the moment it's oh yeah we had we we had an accountant once who phoned in sick because she couldn't get out of the bath (laughs) it's like how who how does that happen absolutely ridiculous. we've got so many ridiculous oh, kind of, of, of team stories when you think back now across uh, the, those those seven years yeah are there any things hints tips that you would say oh my goodness this book this podcast this person this one piece of knowledge mm-hmm. yeah what are those things that like you know you would pass on to your daughter so yeah there's quite a lot actually but I think that certainly the first employees are important so we um I had this driver he wasn't great but it's fine and then we ended up getting uh city sprint who and who and our career and we but my next employee was an operations person and and her name is Harriet and she's still with us and she is the kind of she really was once I employed her, I could then do what I was good at because at that so point... So she's very different in terms of skill set to you, right? The most opposite character to me. Yeah, that's totally really opposite. that's a really interesting point because yeah. I have a business partner and we are completely different. So many people, I think, start businesses with like their friend because they yeah. say, oh, we've, we've got a lot in common. We can make pens together or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. no, don't do that. You yeah. need to divide and conquer. 100%. So sorry, Harriet comes on board. She does operations. She's totally different to you. Yeah. You're doing the cooking and the, the marketing, obviously, and, and exactly. the meeting of people. Um, yeah. and, and the two of you sort of working together. Okay. Yeah. And that's where I saw kind of a big difference where one thing you definitely have to be when you start your own company is kind of be able to do everything or certainly understand how every element of the business works and for me it was really important that I when I did start that I did everything so I did understand how the deliveries worked so that when I had a career company I could see where the problems might be and kind of support on that side same with finance same with operations yeah Um, so that's really important to understand those elements of your business when you do recruit people you recruit the right people but you can also support them so I think generally one thing that I've learned about recruitment and it's, you know, taken a lot of kind of mistakes along the way, but it's A to recruit better than you. So 
as much as you can afford to in the early days that's always quite challenging sure. but recruit people that you just think are amazing that you you know you want to learn from yourself I think a really interesting tip for for the early days is to really look at those kind of mums who want to come back to work, who might have a really amazing skill set that you Mm -hmm. couldn't afford in at full time. Mm. But actually, it's a win-win for her to maybe only do a few hours a day, but with this great expertise, and you to only be able to pay for that rather than sort of maybe thinking, oh, well, I need someone who's working Monday to Friday. It's just an interesting... Yeah, totally. I mean, we've actually got someone at the moment who went on maternity leave with her first baby girl and she can't come back in a full-time capacity um, but she was brilliant and we're so sad to have lost her so we now she's now working from home two days a week helping with our finance and it's like having that flexibility with staff where Mm -hmm. when you know you found someone good like try and fit them in however you can you can't do it without them so I think that's a really um, key learning. And then I think the other big thing that I've learned is kind of when it comes to raising money I think that is something that people always find quite daunting and like how to approach it and I've certainly made a lot of mistakes along the way but I've always gone into it quite open-mindedly I think when you talk to a lot of people I talk to they're always quite daunted by raising investment or you know how would they even go about finding investors Um, and again like the approach is go online google like investment companies private equity speak to people that you know um and then do the real hard work that goes into that. So create an amazing business plan. Um, you know, if you're not great at pitching, like really work on those kind of key skills that you need to develop. And also, I think, make sure that you align with people that, especially when you're going down the investment route, that are aligned with you, you yeah. know, and your mission. I think that is the one thing that I've learned. The best investors that we have are people that are our customers or you know, I call some of our investors all the time whenever I have a problem. In fact, most of them have now become my mentors in some way. Yeah. So what's for the future then? Where are you going? We are completely focused online, really. I mean, we may open a few more delis probably in the next sort of two or three years, but online we will are... Will they be London? They will be London, I think, yeah. Or international. I mean, I'd love to open one in New York, but I think that's maybe oh, a few years you? away. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just have this, like... For me, I kind of, I know that it would work so well in New York. And I I just, I love New York. I love the energy of it. My brother lived there for 10 years. I went there a lot. And I kind of like this idea of really having this far reach with Detox Kitchen. Like, I want to be a global brand. I think it would just be an interesting project. Like, would it work? Wouldn't it? You know? Um, Did you have you had any formal investment into the business? We have, yeah. We've got private equity. We've done crowdfunding. We've done everything under the sun, actually, with, um, with raising money, which can definitely take you away from the business and I think that's something I've I've learned to kind of deal with better but yeah so we've got quite a big team around us now which we need actually to gr- sort of to grow because their expertise are so helpful yeah so maybe one in Delhi Delhi yeah. even <laughs> Delhi would maybe be cool. a Delhi in New York <laughs> sorry maybe, yeah. maybe a Delhi in New York and 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 grow your online business yeah. I think and, for us like online is so exciting you know the whole it Again, for me, I find it exciting because it's new and I'm learning. You know, we've never done paid social before. We've never done kind of digital marketing and creating content for the purpose of kind of online sales or certainly growing the community. And so now we're kind of dabbling in all of that. And I just find the whole thing so fascinating, like how you kind of acquire new customers and the journey of the customer and understanding data and what drives people and motivates them to purchase, whether it's online, when they're on the website or through other kind of channels. So yeah, I find that exciting. But for me, really, my core part of the business is making sure that our product is perfect and always evolving. So we've got loads of really exciting, innovative things coming through 
um, with the product. Salivate yeah. over your Instagram post. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for coming in. That was totally inspiring, and um, I'm going to run down to the deli now and get myself something to eat. Thank you so much to Lily for coming and having a chat with us today and giving us all of the inside story on starting her business. I've been doing this a long time and she taught me a few things and I was inspired certainly by that. So if you're enjoying listening to the No BS Guide to Wellbeing, I'd love you to get in touch. You can contact us at either at Neomorganics Instagram handle and please spread the word. Hey.